the 2000 chart show. The 2000 chart show. Hello and welcome to the 2000s chart show, the chart show where every week we are celebrating the music of the 2000s, one single chart at a time. I'm Samuel Spencer and this week we are talking about such 2004 classics, using classics incredibly loosely, by Busted, Alex Parks, Ragav, Clear, Keen, Deepest Blue, Luther Vandross, and Yeovil Town FC. Yes, the big guns are coming out, so let's shoot them, question mark. Let's get into the top 40 this week, 20 years ago, the week of the Brits, 2004, by the way, which we will get into a little bit later on. But now here at number 40, down from 17 in its second week, I've slightly warmed to this as a song after slagging off the band basically for 20 years. So sorry to the strokes. Here they are with Reptilia. at 40 and 39 the first of 13 new entries on this week's chart we'll give you a breakdown of some of those songs a bit later but now here is at 39 lola stars and stripes by the stills see an important part of the music industry in action this is how every music genre works basically so you'll have one set of artists who suddenly do really well in a given genre and then you get record labels obviously trying to get a little bit of that success for themselves and so they sign a second generation of artists who are inspired by the first set of artists but aren't quite as good you know in pop we saw you get the Spice Girls and then a few years later you get Girl Thing and here we are getting the second generation of American indie bands first we had the Strokes now we have the stills very much the pigeon detectives to the strokes arctic monkeys so very appropriate that the strokes and the stills are here together at the bottom of the top 40 not only of course is this the emerging second genre of basically american landfill indie but also i think we can hear in this song the what will become the classic emo voice in a few years time developing the vocal delivery of the stills is, is very strokes-esque but the occasional word is being slightly elongated yeah they're kind of be like eh beautiful rendition there and of course this will in a few years develop into the classic emo wine on every pop punk song so you saw it starting here first with the stills who are by the way a canadian rock band from montreal french canadia the keyboardist of which of the stills went on to become a touring member of the kings of leon which kind of gives you an indication of exactly the kind of band we're dealing with here a lot of beards in other words this song however has brought out a lot of basically i would say poetry from the commenters on my favourite website songmeanings.net lots of people debating the meanings of the song Lola Stars and Stripes the best of which is this class of 99 style poem wake up and smell the supersized Big Mac and fries it begins the Yanks are being mocked if the song is about relationships or insecurity then I'm the king of Denmark presumably this wasn't written by the king of Denmark although if it was glad you enjoy the stills your majesty this song is about post 9-11 imperialistic America and it's hypocritical and laughable behaviour the song is being ironic knowing it will be lost on the Yanks. Such a throwback to hear people call the Americans Yanks, isn't it? Ironic, really. With an M16, you'll feel
feel the surge of your American past. They're quoting a lyric from the song there. Ring any historical reliance on any military bells? All right, commenter. Rain it in a bit. So there we go, a breakdown of this song that you've never heard of and never will again listen to. My favourite thing about this song, however, the anti-American comment is all very well and good, but the second line of the song is just, we're so middle class, which I think, you know, more artists should just own up to. It's like, you can do all the cockney voice you want, but we all know that you went to private school. Matty Healy coming for you there. So yeah, this is obviously in 2003, we talked a lot about the impact of the Iraq war on the pop charts, and you may have thought, oh, we've got all the way into March, basically, without mentioning the Iraq war, but it's definitely not going away. American bands are still going to want to make jabs at George Bush, the Iraq war, and 9-11. After all, 2004 is the year of Green Day's American Idiot. It's been kicked off here by Lola Stars and Stripes. Turns out, anti-American sentiment, despite the fact that pretty much everyone in the UK was thinking that way in 2004, was not enough to get the stills any higher up this chart. And indeed, it was not enough to get them any more top 40s because it will be the only time they appear in the top 40. And because this song is at number 39, it's also probably the only time they're ever going to appear on this podcast. So thank you for playing the stills, but you haven't quite hit the jackpot. Speaking of someone not quite doing as well as they could have, at 38, down from 32 in its fourth week, God is a DJ by Pink. I can see everything here with my third eye, like the blue in the sky. that song not breaking the top 10 and her next single which I think is very good when we get to there we'll talk about it also not able to manage a top 10 placement really living up to the exclamation mark in her name there because yikes she's in trouble why pink is slightly on the fall another band is on the rise this is at 37 the first single from maroon 5 harder to breathe that's in its fifth week down from 27 That only peaked at 13, but their next song, This Love, will be an absolute smash. Which, of course, we'll talk about when it comes. But now we're going to talk about another song that instantly is added into the annals. Let's say, in fact, it puts the anal into annals because it is a butthole of a song, a football song on this chart. Always great when they happen. This is at 36, a new entry. Yeovil True by Yeovil Town FC. Right, this is a song from Yeovil Football Club. At this time, apparently, we're doing very well in the football charts. Do they call them charts? Probably not. They last season apparently won the FA Trophy and gained promotion to Division 3 of the Football League. And so they were like, why don't we try and be the only third division club ever to have a top 40 hit? They have clearly succeeded. Whether the song succeeds by any other metric is debatable. But this is kind of an interesting release story, if nothing else. So this song was basically only available 
in Yeovil. They only released it in Yeovil. In fact, it was only available in WH Smith's stores in Yeovil. But according to Chartwatch blog, at the time there were queues around the block in Yeovil to buy this song. So all those Yeovilians have done enough to get a 36 placement. I think I can't think of anything more depressing than queuing up to go to a WH Smith's. But there we go. If it means that your beloved football club can get a chart hit, then why not? By the way, my favourite fact about Yeovil, one of my good friends is from Yeovil. Their slogan for quite some time, I'm not sure if it's still the slogan of Yeovil, was that Yeovil has the heart of the country and the mind of the city, which of course always made me think of this. Charlotte Church, voice of an angel, liver of a wino. (laughs) Ah yes, heart of a country, mind of a city, liver of a wino. Us chart gays may not like it, but football songs are an integral part of the UK chart experience. There have been many of them, and many number ones, in fact, coming from the world of football. Three Lions by Badil Skinner and the Lightning Seed, a number one in 96, 98 and 2002. Other number ones, the English football squad had a number one with their hit back home in 1970, despite the fact that it was 1966, of course, when the England team did really well. Quite why everyone was still like, yeah, 1970 is the one, don't know. Perhaps the only good football song ever made, the New Order song World in Motion, the official England World Cup song in 1990 was a number one, as was apparently in 1994, Manchester United got to number one with Come On You Reds. So Yeovil Town joining the illustrious dynasty of football songs. Last year, we had the displeasure of talking about Southampton Boys, a song from Southampton FC that was among the worst songs I've ever heard, as these football songs tend to be. I'd love to tell you that we won't be talking about any more of them, but sadly, there is one more football top 40 in the 2000s, which in 2008, James Fox, the, I think, Fame Academy reject, got to number 15 with his version of Bluebirds Flying High, which apparently is a Cardiff City song. I had a interesting encounter with James Fox when I was a child, so you can hear all about that in four years time. Sometimes it feels that we're like working on geological time on this podcast. Other people can promise you things next week. I'm promising you things four years in advance that are definitely not worth that. But that is what we've signed up for with this project. Obviously, as someone who is obsessed with the 2000 charts, I generally think that streaming has destroyed the chart experience. And I'm not just saying that because Sophie Ellis Bexter got so close but couldn't get to number one. But one benefit of streaming charts is that they have basically got rid of football songs from the charts. Because, you know, if you were a football team, all you needed to do to get a song chart was just to get all the fans to like buy that song and you could get enough sales to get to into the chart but realistically you're not listening to that song more than once because no one likes their ears to bleed and so in modern days even if every Manchester United fan gets behind one Manchester United song it can't compete with like the people who are listening to I don't know Anti-Hero by Taylor Swift a hundred times and so they rarely feature in the chart except for Three Lions which makes a comeback pretty much every Euro or World Cup and that Atomic Kitten song the version of Whole Again that we will not talk about because it felt like a personal betrayal from Atomic Kitten to me that they did that. So that is at 36 Yeovil True by Yeovil Town FC, Heart of a Country, Mind of a City and now at 35 we move on with our next new entry. This is Melissa off Demar with Follow the Waves. My 
Melissa Ofdemar, if there's any alternative rock fans out there, may know her. Of course, she was the bassist for Hole from 1994 to 1999. Pretty much the only sensible member of the band. This is a band, after all, of course, Hole, a band whose bassist, the bassist that she replaced in the band, died of an overdose. A band whose drummer once got so into crack cocaine that they became homeless. And of course, their lead singer, Courtney Love, whose reputation precedes her when it comes to chaos. Courtney Love is in, de- in dire need of attention right now. Although I've always been quite a fan of Courtney Love, I have to say. Melissa Ofdemar quit Hole in 1999, as I said. Basically, she had a five-year contract with the band. She was never a actual official member. She was merely freelancing, basically, for the band. And so when that five-year contract ended, she decided first to tour with the Smashing Pumpkins, who were kind of her childhood inspiration to get into bass in the first place. And then she went solo, as we can see here. Melissa Ofdemar just seems like a genuine, kind of cool, chill person. Definitely something Hole needed. You definitely need a levelling presence when your band is being led by Courtney Love. Can't really see Courtney Love, you know, doing the accounts and like making sure that you were getting to a hotel on time, say. So I'm sure Melissa Ofdemar helped them do that, of course. Also helped write a lot of the songs on their album Celebrity Skin, an iconic album. Despite the fact that obviously Courtney Love is an agent of chaos, it seems that actually the pair of them still have a lot of love for each other. The reason that Melissa left Hole doesn't seem to be because she couldn't deal with the chaos anymore. In 2019, in fact, she wrote a love letter to Courtney Love in the pages of Kerrang, which, yeah, still still going. Who knew? She said of Courtney Love, you changed my life. My journey with you and Hole carved and defined a very significant part of me. A once in a lifetime opportunity to make music the centre of my life forever, to see the world many times over, to experience pop culture on the front lines and to represent women and girls in a male-dominated landscape. I often refer to my time in Hole as my triple master's degree in humanities. That triple degree, by the way, being in bass playing, rock girl attitude and stopping every other member from having an overdose pretty much every day. She didn't say that. That's my own personal commentary on this. But I love the band Hole. I used to have a Hole t-shirt until I realised that not a lot of people knew who the band was. So I was just going around with a t-shirt that said Hole on it. I guess that was kind of what Courtney Love was trying to achieve. But it made me a little self-conscious. One thing to note about Melissa Ofdemar, or uh, it's actually spelled M-A-U-R, so maybe Ofdemar, he said seamlessly, is that actually her solo song here is actually, you would think that Courtney Love is the biggest star. And yet Melissa Ofdemar's song doing better than Courtney Love's first solo song will. Courtney Love set to release her song Mono in a month time and it will only get to number 41 so six places above Courtney Love's debut there although I do love Mono by Courtney Love and seeing as we won't be talking about it on the podcast here's a little snippet Here is Melissa Ofdemar, by the way, talking about Courtney Love in an interview with Girl Rock Nation. As different as Courtney and I are, and we are pretty much polar opposite in every way, we found a connection in that mission um, and did it very differently. I mean, I was literally the good girl, good Canadian, not screaming. And she was screaming at the audience. And it was a very interesting, beautiful balance. And here is a little taste of their kind of chemistry from 1999 at the Big Day Out Festival, including some pretty shady comments about the British from Courtney Love there. Well, we're very happy that Australia is such a happy country full of happy people and that you like us. Thank we're, you very much. We're all ex-convicts, you know. If that's what see, but I think maybe that's why we get along. Yeah? Yeah, her dad was kind of an outlaw. My dad is evil um i don't know all outlaws um, we're very fun loving criminals fun, fun loving criminals yeah but, but, um, no, but this country i love that you're all and you're all really good looking too healthy good looking so they must have said no i see the most the most handsome audiences here in australia that really? i've ever seen try an audience in england no offense yeah. 
You won't see many chins. Oops. One last thing to note about Melissa Oftenmar, her mother was actually the first female rock DJ in Montreal, back in Montreal there. So music very much in her blood and this will be enough to get her one more UK Top 40 later in the year. So look out for that. But first, we move on to 34, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand in its sixth week down from 26. And it's fourth week down from 20. I'll be there by Emma. Ferdinand and Emma there taking us to our next new entry a girl called Summer Matthews but don't call her Summer Matthews call her Little Miss Perfect because that's the name of them of the song entry at 32. If the name Summer Matthews is familiar to you, it's because you spent your childhood watching Biker Grove. Just any chance to play that iconic theme tune I would take, really. In fact, I think I would have preferred if she just released the Biker Grove theme tune as a song rather than whatever Little Miss Perfect is. Okay, so there are any Biker Grove fans out there? Of course, Biker Grove launching Anton Deck. She played the character of Emma Miller on the show for, I think, like eight years on the Biker Grove wiki. Shout out to whoever loved Biker Grove enough to do a wiki for it. Probably the same person who has put all the episodes, by the way, onto YouTube. So if you want to watch Biker Grove, you can do it right now. She's with Emma Miller, who is described in the Biker Grove Wikipedia as a deep thinker who is always searching for hidden meanings. She has a real interest in horoscopes which was prompted by the death of Jeff, the Grove's old youth leader. Singing was part of her character on the show, by the way. How's singing going? Fine, thanks. Have you seen Greg? Uh, no. I like some of the tunes. The Love Letters one, that wasn't bad. You think? Yeah. Explaining here why she's trying to launch a pop career, but unfortunately that pop career not really taking. This song will be her only single as it is only charting at 32. Obviously, soap stardom is a viable way of getting a pop career, but for every Kylie Minogue who's launched by a soap opera, there is a Summer Matthews, unfortunately. The battlefield of the pop charts has a lot of discarded soap stars strewn across it, if that's not too bloody an image. Some of them I just wanted to point out here, some of my particular favourites. If you've ever wondered what would Sharon from EastEnders be like if she tried to be a pop star? Well, the answer is here. That's Letitia Dean with her song Something Out of Nothing. That was a top 12 hit in October 1986. Couldn't mention slightly flop soap stars having pop careers without mentioning Anita Dobson with her song Anyone Can Fall In Love. If you haven't heard this, what's brilliant about this song is that it is the song is set to the tune of the EastEnders theme tune. I 
really think more people should do. Like, I would love if, I don't know, Shobna Galati from Coronation Street sang a song that was like, Oh, I love to dance. Yes, I love to dance. Uh, you know, that was the Coronation Street theme tune, by the way, if you had problems with my unique sense of tuning. Yes, so Anita Dobson having a hit with the EastEnders theme, writing lyrics on top of it, iconic. But my favourite flop soap star, pop star, is of course Adam Rickett, whose song I Breathe Again, probably the gayest video this side of the band Fix, many a gay awakening for those of us coming of age in the late 90s, whose song I Breathe Again, a gay disco classic. Every Thursday in the 90s, I was, what, six at the end of the 90s. The local leisure centre did a roller disco on Thursday nights, which we went to every week. Me in my clip-on Teletubbies roller skates, skating around Kingswood Leisure Centre to the song I Breathe Again by Adam Rickett. I Breathe Again, a number five hit in June 1999. Also worth shouting out, though, his other two songs, I think, were also pretty good, despite not charting as well. Everything My Heart Desires, a number 15 hit in October 99. then best thing got to 25 in february 2000 you know your best thing have i ever told you you feel so you make right all great songs yeah there will always be someone who wants a soap star to launch a pop career we talked about plenty of them on this show already of course danny minogue kylie minogue holly valance they're all neighbors i think holly valance might have been home and away shane ritchie of course got to number two with i'm your man last year and jennifer ellison with her song baby i don't care all coming out of the soaps but again this is another trend that's kind of gone out of fashion you rarely hear of soap stars becoming big pop stars oh of course we've got delta goodrum as well another former soap star turned pop star yeah you don't hear about these anymore so interesting to see whether Summer Matthews will be the kind of the beginning of the end of this trend or whether there'll be more soap stars coming apart from the ones that we've discussed. By the way, in case you're wondering what happened to Summer Matthews, she now is known as Holly Matthews. I imagine her real name. Sorry, as I'm just saying this, I just remember, do you remember when they had that whole plot on Hollyoaks about that woman being discovered from Hollyoaks by Andrew Lloyd Webber and then the real woman was in The Sound of Music? Bizarre. Anyway, back to Holly Matthews. She, yes, became a life coach and motivational speaker in 2017 after she started blogging following the sad death of her husband from brain cancer. This has led to her, yeah, doing many interviews across Lorraine and This Morning and all of those shows, spreading good vibes, which we can't really criticise, even if we may be able to criticise the chart placement of this song. Summer Matthews there at 32 and at 31, in its second week down from 21, Walked Out Heaven by Jagged Edge. They've walked out of heaven and it looks like they're about to walk out of these charts, unfortunately for the Jagged Edge boys. Hopefully as they walked out of heaven, they didn't meet any Jagged Edges because they would be awfully sharp on the feet. Ha ha. 30, our next new entry though. This is 100 Reasons with What You Get.
they get is their last top 40 hit here out of six their highest position being with their song silver in may 2002 which got to number 15 100 reasons an indie band from aldershot and teddington this band is kind of very much a band on the slide their next single will be a cover of the smiths how soon is now but it will only get to number 47 after which their record label columbia records will drop them their album will also get to number 20 when their first album got to number six so obviously not making these kind of sales that columbia Records wants they will then release one more song under v2 records but that song will only get to number 45 in 2006 and then 100 reasons are done now last week we mentioned the fact that speedway the rock band were on the same record label as the boy band blue and that they toured together which was a totally insane idea but it's kind of stuck in my mind so when i saw the 100 reasons had signed to v2 i of course remembered that the only other famous band of this time that was signed to v2 records is liberty x and i'm just obsessed with the idea of whether 100 reasons and liberty x ever hung out you know on the table manners podcast girls allowed talked about living in a tower block with like other bands that their record label had so i just thought the 100 reasons and liberty x must have spent time together and i'm what did they talk about you know 100 reasons just being like what was it like having to get into all that leather for the just a little video like was it sweaty and then being like what's it like doing what i don't know you guys do i'm sure that was a pretty awkward conversation but sadly when i searched liberty x and 100 reasons i couldn't find any evidence of them hanging together so we can only speculate about what these two very different bands could have had in common as i've said though 100 reasons from aldershot and teddington really this is one of the big problems about being a british band i think you know if you're from the middle of nowhere in america it kind of gives you a lure i think you know you think of the band like rehearsing among the like arid plains or the like picturesque mountains or whatever whereas when you hear that a band got together in aldershot and teddington you think oh they're not cool at all you know it is basically it is a known fact that there are only about five cool cities in britain and being from anywhere else is just lame unfortunately but to keep my national audience i won't tell you which are the cool places but just to say if you're from one of them you know you know what it is and it's not aldershot and teddington hopefully i don't have a huge amount of fans in aldershot or teddington but if i do please let us know on the usual social media channels just google the 2000 chart show to find them by the way the band said of their breaking up with their record label this is colin duran he told Roxins, our relationship with our record label soured when the md left the company as he was the reason that we were signed in the first place we felt that decisions made after that event were impacting the band in a negative way the support and drive were no longer there and so we were happy to leave the label and were banking on it so this kind of double bill of like they start not doing as well so the record label stops paying as much attention with them and then when they stop paying attention to them they do even less well and then everything kind of falls apart a funny line in their wikipedia page by the way says after left columbia 100 reasons signed to v2 records in september 2005 having spent the best part of the year writing under a train arch in south london really does make them sound homeless there doesn't it kind of get a picture of them like all playing songs around a bin on fire i don't think that was the case so as i said the last song from 100 reasons on this chart with what you get again probably the last time we'll ever talk about them on this podcast because who could care about 100 reasons of course as we said last time in case you can't remember they got their name 100 reasons from a like snowboarding poster that was like a thousand reasons to snowboard that one of them saw at a snowboarding store if you can't have even an interesting story about your name you're never going to succeed as a band i think sorry 100 reasons i'm sure you're really nice guys but they take us into the 20s they're at 30 and at 29 in its second week down from 19 saturday night by ud project now 
Now, usually when I do this podcast, my husband has the good grace to totally ignore me, generally act like I'm an embarrassment when I get my microphone out and hide in the other room. You know, that's what support within a marriage looks like, by the way, all of you single people. So usually he just totally ignores what I'm doing. But on a Friday, what I like to do is listen through to the whole top 40 of the week's show just to kind of get a sense of it. And he's never commented on this before for any song. And, you know, we've played hundreds of songs on this podcast. But when Saturday Night by UD Project came on, he peeked his little head through the door and he was like, what is this song? It's great. So, yeah, of all the songs that we've played, so many great songs, it was Saturday Night by UD Project that piqued my husband's interest. So hopefully it piqued yours too, although it hasn't quite caught the imagination of the British public at large in 2004, it seems. Unlike our next song, a former number one at 28 in its 10th week down. 23, Michael Andrews and Gary Jules with Mad World. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. At 27, down from 18, in its fourth week, we have Run by Snow Patrol. currently moving house and in doing that we've been packing and I did find my husband's secret snow patrol shirt that he's been hiding at the bottom of his drawer all the time that we've known each other so a big fan of UD Project and a big fan of snow patrol at 26 we mentioned them earlier blues best friends speedway with can't turn back that's down from 12 in its second week can't turn back but they certainly can go down the charts that is huh and at 25 in its fourth week down from 24 we have last train home by the lost profits which yet again we will not be talking about and instead we'll be looking ahead at what is coming up in the chart last week's number one was with a little help from my friends by sam and mark the previous time the song with a little help from my friends was number one it was only number one for one week but sam and mark will be hoping to make it a second but there are some big contenders who are trying to stop them do that chief among them is busted their last song crashed the wedding was a number one hit and they're hoping to follow that with their song who's david, who's david? a problematic song that they've had a lot of flack for in more recent years which we'll get into later but will any of this bother the 2004 record buying public or can busted get their third number one but to do that they will have to sell more than keen with their song somewhere any we know so course the lily allen version of this for a john lewis ad in about a decade's time will get to number one but will the original be able to manage it keen selling a huge amount of albums in 2004 but were they able to match it with singles we will find out also contenders to note this week we have ragav previously heard him on the song so confused the two place song that got to number eight but will his solo debut can't get enough enough, be able to beat that and will in fact it be able to beat where so confused is in the chart this week because it's still there and Ragav will be trying to chart above it to prove that his solo career can have any sort of go to it. Also worth noting coming up is the second single from Alex Parks, Cry. One of the 
most miserable songs ever written. I mean, that as a compliment. Her last song, Maybe That's What It Takes, gets to number three. She will be hoping, I suppose, to get a number one. Although singers Alex Parks always seem to do absolutely hate being famous, maybe she was actually hoping for it to flop quietly inside herself. All of those songs to come. But first, we have a former number one, another one, in its 13th week doing amazingly well, down from 22, Leave Right Now by Will Young. Leave right now. So please explain Why you're opening up a healing wound again just behind at 23 our next new entry a flop girl band continuing to flop because at 23 we have stuck in the middle by clear members of clear to explain what this song's about in the most banal way possible um i think the song can be interpreted stuck in the middle can be interpreted in any sort of way but um i think you can be stuck in the middle of any sort of situation but the song itself is about someone being in a relationship where they're stuck in the middle of someone who's very lustful and someone who's got love and passion has got a history and they're basically in a dilemma and they're like i want to be with both of them but i can't clear of course the band that is all of the women who got to the final of pop stars the rivals who didn't get into girls allowed and weren't javine at this point they were trying to launch themselves as a thing by touring with daniel beddingfield here is them speaking about him we've just finished um the daniel beddingfield tour the uk tour it's really good, really enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah, we had like a Sweet two month tour with him and you know, you get to know each other properly, we have dinner together before we get on stage and he was genuinely a really, really down to earth, yeah. nice guy. He gave us a kiss all on the head when he first <laughs> met us and just really supportive, really, really nice. He even did it with us one night, <laughs> which is brilliant. Wait, he did what with you? And he's a really good beatboxer. It's it's insane. Insane. And beatbox at, at the same, same time. time. Oh, sadly, beatboxing. Although based on all the other stories about how deranged Daniel Benningfield is, probably a good thing for Clear that they didn't uh, engage romantically with him. Now, of course, we've heard Clear's explanation for what this song is about, but what it's truly about is being stuck in the middle between mediocrity and averageness, which is very much where Clear are in 2004. This will be their last single before their band member Chloe Morgan leaves, according to the Wikipedia for Clear, to, quote, pursue her solo career. This, for me, is some of the funniest shit ever for multiple reasons. Number one, there's the fact that people usually go solo when they're in a massive band and they think they've built up enough of a fan base to go solo. You know, Robbie Williams in Take That, Jerry in The Spice Girl, Ronan Keating in Boyzone, whereas Chloe is leaving the band to try and launch it on her own when she's had a 21 and a 23 hit. It's like, babe, you can barely get people to like the four of you together. Why do you think you could go it alone? The absolute hubris of that, it's no surprise that she will not have any UK Top 40s as a solo artist. This also puts the interview that we just mentioned makes it a little bit ironic because they spend some time of it talking about having this great system about how they work out conflict within the band. It's like, yeah, next month one of you is going to leave, so I don't think you've really sorted it out. Every band, especially a girl band, can get on each of us nerves. Yeah. We're working together, especially if you live together, but we found a system that works well. Yes. We, you know, we respect each other's views. You know, if anything's getting on top of us, then we'll get into the family room, family <laughs> meeting room, and we'll say, you're doing me heading because you're getting up at six in the morning and waking me up. You're annoying me because you keep leaving the milk out, and we're very, very honest with each other. Yeah. We're not going to sit here and say, yeah, we left each other in the bedrooms every night. You know, 
watch videos and have girly nights. Because, yeah, there is nights where we do do that. Yeah. But then there's nights where we're fed up with seeing each other's faces and we'll go in each other's rooms and slam the doors and <laughs> not talk to each other until the next morning. <laughs> Another funny thing about Chloe leaving Clea is that they are named Clea because their members are Chloe, Lindsay, Emma and Amy. C-L-E-A, Clea. When Chloe leaves, they're still named after her, despite the fact that she's not there. They really should have just, like, bit the bullet and called themselves Leah because it's still a girl's name, so it would have worked. You know, it's not quite as funny as the fact that the band Five now tours as a three-piece, but it's definitely in that kind of area. Say what you want about S Club 7, but at least they had the good grace to rename themselves when one of them left. Or, in fact, four of them left and they went around as S Club 3, tragically. Despite Chloe leaving Clear, this is not the last time that we'll hear of them. They will have exactly one more UK Top 40 hit, and use the term hit very loosely, because they'll get to number 35 in October 2005 with their cover of the song We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off. But for now, they are at number 23, One Down from Here For One by Blazing Squad. All you PCs here spitting in the never, getting ready to take over now or never. Let's go, let's flow, this is how we roll. Let's get this party jumping to the end of the night. Let's take control. down from 16 in its third week. Of course, when three members of Blazing Squad left, they had the good grace to give themselves a new name entirely, rather than just go as, like, Blazing Squad again. And now, in the most kind of abrupt change in style of song, we're going from the aggressive scally rap of Blazing Squad into a smooth FM, a magic FM, and a heart FM classic. At 21, a new entry for Luther Vandross with Dance With My Father. To dance with my father again When I and my mother would disagree To get my way I would run from her to him Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross was named the Song of the Year in the 2004 Grammys. Obviously the joke about the Grammys among people who are interested in entertainment is that it's the industry award that is the least respected by its own industry. People in music not particularly giving a shit about the Grammys, but even, even so this is ridiculous that this song won when it was up against Beautiful by Christina Aguilera, I'm With You by Avril Lavigne, and Lose Yourself by Eminem. I mean, Lose Yourself is the best song of that year, out of that list. Also a song called Keep Me In Your Heart by Warren Zevon, but who could know or care? But Luther Vandross doing enough to get Song of the Year with his collaboration with the American soft rocker Richard Marks, who co-wrote this song. Richard Marks had three number ones in the US, but the one song of his that you may have heard of in the UK is Right Here Waiting. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. Another Heart FM classic got to number three or four, I think, in the 90s. And by the way, the song Right Here Waiting by Richard Marks, bizarrely covered by the supermodel Twiggy in 2012 as a duet with Richard Marks. You can maybe pinpoint that as the exact moment that the coolness of the 60s died when Twiggy is recording this soft rock power ballad. We will talk about Luther Vandross, but first, just have to mention this story I found about Richard Marks, who in 2016 made headlines after he restrained an unruly man on a Korean air flight. This is from the BBC. 
BBC. American singer Richard Marks has said he had to restrain a fellow passenger on a Korean air flight after the man allegedly attacked others on board. Richard Marks' wife saying that the man was drunk and he, quote, got crazy and started attacking the flight attendants and passengers, including pushing the female staff and pulling them by the hair, at which point Richard Marks helped by restraining the man who was taken off the flight. BBC News, as is their wont, reporting this quite matter-of-factly. I much prefer the Reuters write-up of it, which I'm definitely giving five comedy points. It begins, if there's ever a problem, singer Richard Marks will be right there waiting, even, apparently, in mid-flight. Very well done, Reuters. Let's talk about the song that Richard Marks has written here, written in tribute, as you can guess by the title Dance With My Father, to Luther Vandross's father, who died when Luther was eight. The song was released actually last year in the US, May 2003, but Luther, unable to promote it in the US because he had had a quite serious stroke, which left him in a coma for two months, and apparently he had to learn to walk and sing again, like totally kind of the beginning of the end for Luther Vandross. He would die two years later of a heart attack, bringing an end to a career that had been three decades long. He began his career as a backing singer for people like David Bowie, Diana Ross and Stevie Wonder before he released his first solo album in 1981, apparently on the encouragement of David Bowie, who, after hearing one of Luther Vandross's songs where he was working as a backing singer for him, turned it into Fascination, which is one of the songs on his album Young Americans. Yes, of course, the song Fascination. No, funnily enough, not that one. Yes, that one. Of course, Luther Vandross in the UK, probably best known for his song Never Too Much. A song that, as far as I can see, is required by law to be played on Heart FM every hour, such as, it, you know, I worked in a doctor's surgery as a receptionist for about three years when I was a teenager, and it really certainly did feel that Heart FM was just that song on repeat. But that not his biggest hit. His biggest hit in the UK was his duet with Janet Jackson, The Best Things in Life Are Free, got to number two in 1992, also being the closest that Janet Jackson ever got to number one. Truly shocking that Janet Jackson doesn't have a UK number one. One of the signs that maybe the British public is a little bit more racist than you want to believe. He also would get top three hit with another duet with an iconic lady. His cover of Endless Love with Mariah Carey getting number three in 1994. Makes sense. His two biggest hits were with these female icons because let's just say that Luther Vandross loved a diva, which of course is my favourite euphemism for being gay. Patti LaBelle basically outed Luther Vandross after he died, saying that he was always gay, but obviously worried because he had a lot of female fans about how they would react. However, makes me like him even more because him toying with famously bisexual David Bowie you like to think that maybe they did like hook up like once like they had to right they were like it's like hey Luther can I like rewrite your song as fascination on my album he's like you can but we're gonna have to uh you know do the contract in the bedroom if you know what I mean for legal reasons that is pure speculation although you can't libel the dead so I guess I'm saying that Luther Vandross and David Bowie definitely fucked by the way this will be the final top 40 for Luther Vandross he managed 20 UK top 40s and three UK top 10s a respectable career there for Luther Vandross ending with dance with my father Talking of careers ending, I had assumed that this next song was the last chart hit for its artist. This is Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with Changes, a former number one at 20 here in its 11th week. I love her so. that was the last Ozzy Osbourne single to make it into the top 40 but it turns out in September 2019 he was featured on a Post Malone song called Take What You Want which got to number 22 so 16 years later Ozzy Osbourne still rocking good for him 
Oh, talking of rocking, well, wow, that was actually totally coincidental. Obviously, these these awkward segues, I usually minutely write every detail, but that was totally coincidental that this next song at 19, down from 11 in its second week, is Rock Your Body Rock by Ferry Corsten. I wanna rock your body rock. Next, at 18, meanwhile, another song in its second week, down from five, 13 place drop, nasty, for Stereophonics with Movie Star. said no need to worry about stereophonics their next song will be their first number one someone who will have to wait much longer for another number one is sean paul he is at number 17 here with i'm still in love with you that's in its seventh week he of course will have a number one with the saturdays in a few years time but someone just missing out on the number one on the album charts this week is katie melua she being held off the top spot for the second week by Nora jones's album feels like home but staying firm on the singles chart in its 12th week so doing very well even though it only got to number 10 here she is with the closest thing to crazy She's the closest thing to crazy i have ever been 22, acting 17. Truly, the closest thing to crazy that we got this week 20 years ago was Katie Melua's deranged duet of The Love Cats, the song by The Cure, which she did at the Brits with Jamie Cullum, he of Banging the Piano. Fight and scratch and scream all night, let's go and throw all the songs we know into the sea. All these years that no one heard. These two together have big brother and sister putting on a show for their parents' energy. So yes, let's talk a little bit about the Brits this time 20 years ago. Song of the year at the Brits going to White Flag by Dido. Not as much of a crime as Dance With My Father getting Song of the Year, but certainly when the other nominations were Scandalous by Mystique and Sweet Dreams My LAX by Rachel Stevens and Superstar by Jamelia. I'm not sure I would have gone for White Flag. By the way, the other song in that category was Gareth Gates' Spirit in the Sky, which, okay, sure. Darkness with Permission to Land. They might have lost out on the Mercury Prize to Dizzy Rascal, but they won British album of the year I mean the Brits are always a bit of a joke but some of these categories are mad this is how kind of bleak the Brits in 2004 make British music seem so British male solo artists won by Daniel Beddingfield other nominations Badly Drawn Boy David Bowie Dizzy Rascal and Will Young firstly come on Dizzy Rascal deserved that secondly David Bowie like I know we were glad to have him back you know releasing albums or whatever but you know he wasn't at the peak of his powers in 2003 say British female maybe even worse Dido wins it other nominations Amy Winehouse Annie Lennox Jamelia and Sophie Ellis Bexter. Actually, no, that is better, I guess. Darkness win British group, British Breakthrough Act, Busted, who also won British Pop Act. Although apparently that was also had the Black Eyed Peas, Christian Aguilera, and Justin Timberlake nominated. So how that was a British pop act, I'm not quite sure with that one. British Urban Act won by Lamar, which like good for you, mate. David Snedden sitting at home furious that his competitor getting best British Urban Act, which he was sure he was a lock in for. British Rock Act went to Darkness. British Dance Act went to Basement Jacks. Outstanding contribution to music, Duran Duran. International album, Justin Timberlake's Just 
Justified. International male solo artist goes to Justin. Very good night for him. International female solo artist going to Beyonce. International group going to the White Stripes. And international breakthrough act going to 50 Cent. Although he was nominated against Sean Paul, who if anyone had a breakout year in 2003, it was him. But I was not a Brits Award voter in 2004. Or indeed in 2024, if they want to sort that out. My inbox is open, by the way. As for the performances, sadly, no one came out of a pair of giant legs, a la Jerry Halliwell. I really thought just everyone should do that. Every Brit should start with something coming out of, like, a pair of legs that are, like, themed to them. That's just the kind of ideas I could bring if I was a Brits voter, by the way. Just saying. Alongside the performance of The Love Cats by Jimmy Cullum and Katie Melua, we had the combination of Alicia Keys, Gwen Stefani and Missy Elliott doing Kiss. Gwen Stefani soon to release her debut album and become, in my opinion, the coolest pop star of 2004. It's actually a pretty good lineup of performances. Beyonce with Crazy in Love, Black Eyed Peas with Shut Up, Busted with Teenage Kicks, probably the worst, Darkness doing I Believe in a Thing Called Love, Duran Duran performing Hungry Like the Wolf, Pretty Cent doing Inter Club, Muse doing Hysteria and Outcast doing Hey Ya. So quite the night of entertainment there. Katie Melia, one of its most baffling elements for sure. By the way, the Brits actually having quite a big impact, not on the singles charts necessarily, although we'll see whether Busted's performance helps them move up the ranks but on the album charts definitely having an impact uh, so Duran Duran re-enter the top 40 their greatest hits goes to number four so obviously people remembering how much they love Duran Duran Permission to Land by The Darkness jumps 20 places and goes to number five after their good night and even Jamie Cullum his album went from number 29 to number 14 as a result of the Brits Katie Melua staying firm at number two so Katie Melua at 16 we head to number 15 Fat Man Scoop in the Crooklyn can with It Takes Scoop from number nine obviously doing much less well than his hit Be Faithful which got to number one probably because It Takes Scoop is exactly like Be Faithful but much much worse at 14 meanwhile we have our next new entry this is the first of two new entries this week that we still have left that didn't make the top ten. First of those is Bell and Sebastian with I'm a Cuckoo you, there's something wrong with me I'm a cuckoo about this song is it was produced by Trevor Horn the legendary producer he also produced their last single so we may have talked about him then but I want to talk about him a little bit more he's kind of the king of the kind of 80s bombastic style most typically seen in his three number ones for Frankie Goes to Hollywood Relax The Power of Love and Two Tribes these big bombastic production jobs a lot of clashing cymbals you know wild choirs drama also the man behind the song Video Killed the Radio Star and doing iconic production work again big and bombastic on 80s songs like Grace Jones is Slave to the Rhythm and my favourite Pet Shop Boys song Left to My Own Devices And now ladies and gentlemen here's Grace 
It's not just the 80s though where he had success. Since then he had number one singles as a producer with a different beat by Boyzone, Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rimes and my favourite song of 2003. Listen back to that episode for more. All the things she said by Tattoo. If you're not aware of Trevor Horn's work, the best description of his work comes via The Guardian who said that he made Frankie Goes to Hollywood's crap demos sound like a Wagnerian prolapse. Wagnerian prolapse of course is the name of my hardcore metal band. If you want to hear the Trevor Horn style taken to its most ridiculous extremes by the way you can hear it here in the Charlotte Church song Just Wave Hello. This is from the time when they kind of tried to launch Charlotte Church as a singles artist when she was a child. she will eventually release the iconic Crazy Chick but this is one of her first childhood singles. So yeah when he's this big bombastic guy you may think that he's a weird fit for Bell and Sebastian who are kind of quite a small intimate twee kind of band but apparently it was said that Trevor Horn's daughter was a huge Bell and Sebastian fan. The rumour was that he messaged them saying I know what you're trying to do and I can help you achieve it and because they were so interested in kind of what a weird fit he was to them the band agreed although Trevor Horn disputes this is the way that they met. He told the Strange Brew podcast that his housekeeper did the dressing rooms for Coachella and when she mentioned to Bell and Sebastian that she worked for Trevor Horn they started asking questions about what he was like this led to the meeting then he agreed to work on their album including this song according to Pitchfork his effect on the band was that he aided them in making a complete 180 degree turn from wry wistful folk pop to sophisticated tight sometimes complex arrangements with a keen attention to detail I'll have to take your word for it Pitchfork because this really does sound like business as usual for me for Bell and Sebastian, a band I've never really quite been able to get on board with. I've kind of indie friends who have tried to get me into them, boyfriends who've tried to play their albums while we were having sex. Not for me. Having sex, obviously. Not for me. The reason why it may sound slightly different from the kind of Trevor Horn that we know is because what he liked to do is basically he would just take the vocal track and then not really use the band. He would just like build his like world of sound around them. This was certainly what he did with Frankie Goes to Hollywood. But here he just let the band play. And the results was I'm a Cuckoo, everyone's favourite song about someone coming out as a Cuckoo. Oh, you've got another song in that genre you prefer. Okay, fair enough. So from this jolly song, we're going to take a miserable turn. Miserable both in terms of the content of the song, but also for what it means for Alex Park's sharp prospects, because here she is at number 13 with her song Cry. When I think about more miserable if it tried. Honestly, it's a shame that she couldn't put this much emotion into trying to continue her career. She did a Pop World interview to promote this song. She can't even seem to garner enthusiasm for the fact that she's just recently won Fame Academy, which of course netted her a £1 million recording contract. Now congratulations, first of all. Thank you very much. You must be thrilled. Winner of Fame Academy. <laughs> yep, right on. Oh, come on, get a bit excited about it. No, 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 of course I am. Yeah. Also, there's kind of the issue that she like straight up slags off the music video in this interview, which I kind of love, but not the kind of thing you can do if you want to keep on everyone's good graces and get them to support you. All these, these video makers, they always put these angsty girls in corridors. <laughs> Why is that? Is that where you feel most of your angst? <laughs> I 
Avril did it as well. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, the corridor. corridor. Coming through a door and then, oh, I'm in a corridor. Oh, I'm upset. Yeah. I was upset in the room, but now I'm really <laughs> upset. <laughs> You'd think going on the stage would cheer me up as well, but it yeah. didn't. Also, I do actually appreciate this because it does seem that she's like very upfront about kind of her brand for being miserable. And you can kind of see why she was a little bit sceptical about this video. The Maybe That's What It Takes video. She's walking from her dressing room to the stage, looking miserable, hearing cry. She's on the London Underground looking, you've guessed it, miserable. And in case you want to get bummed out even more, here is Alex Parks on OKTV, OK which seems to have been a kind of daytime ITV thing. Here she's explaining what the song's about to Ronan Keating. Yes, he's everywhere in 2004 when he wasn't releasing She Believes In Me or hosting OKTV. OK he was presenting British female solo artist to Dido at the Brits. But anyway, here's what Alex Park said. The new song is a very personal song to you, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's a hell of a song. Um, it's kind of about me and my mum. I yeah. kind of wrote it for her. And she gets a lump in her throat every time she oh, hears it. I can imagine. You can't see it, obviously, because this is a non-visual medium. But Alex Parks is wearing a Ramones t-shirt and giving a kind of Shane from the L word rocker chick kind of look. And so when Ronan Keating says that maybe that's what it takes is his one of his favourite singles of 2003, you can truly see the light die from Alex Parks' eyes kind of live in that moment. Yeah, clearly there is a kind of issue of... I don't want to be rude to Alex Parks because I actually really like her and I really like these songs. But she is lacking a certain kind of pizzazz that I think all kind of, I don't say the X factor, but an X factor uh, that you need to be a pop star. One of the keys to being a good pop star I think is just like being able to fake being energetic and I just don't think she could do it. Which is probably why this song is at number 13. It will be the last single from her album introduction and her last top 40 hit as a singles artist. But she will however get to release another album called Honesty because this album did manage to sell 500,000 copies. So it's not quite over for Alex Parks but you can tell that she kind of doesn't have a full heart in it. But because we don't have many more times to talk about her let's see what she did between albums one and two one of which the things she did i say that she wasn't that interested but she did go to the big guns for recording her second album she recorded with diane warren who we've talked about a lot recently of course the writer of two lost in you by the sugar babes and many other big hits apparently alex parts recorded the song that diane warren wrote for her but then ended up turning it down and not putting it on the album Sadly, it hasn't leaked. I'll be desperate to know what an Alex Parks, Diane Warren collab sounds like. In an interview with the Daily Echo, by the way, between albums one and two, Alex Parks says, When I came out of Fame Academy, I naturally wanted to retreat into a quiet corner where no one could see me. I'd just been on telly for 10 weeks, being filmed all the time, so I did want to shy away from it. A big problem for a pop star. You need to be the kind of person who goes on this kind of show because they want to be a huge star, and then as soon as they do it, they grab it by both horns. Whereas Alex Parks, I think, was like, her dad forced her to like audition for this show. She, just, she didn't even really want to do it. Then when she won it, she didn't really want to play the game, which I've got to respect, but it's certainly why this song is only at number 13. It's not all entirely her fault though, because this is really the year in which kind of the reality TV wheels are starting to come off. Not every artist is going to have a huge career out of reality TV. Alex Parks, Michelle McManus and Sam and Mark all on the chart this week, but they were all only get two singles into the top 40. And as of course did One True Voice, who we talked about last year, kind of explains how we're getting to the X Factor. We're only kind of three years on from hearsay in pop stars, but already it feels that kind of reality TV singing competitions are in need of a shake-up and Simon Cowell is certainly going to give them that. So what did Alex Parks do after her recording career finished? It seems that weirdly one of the things she did was become a songwriter and she has credits on two random songs by like European singers. She is a credited songwriter on the song Delo uh, of the Water by Elodie Fréger who apparently was the winner of Star Academy France the equivalent to Fame Academy in France. <laughs>
then she also wrote a song called Hoy by someone called Idurne, which I'm sure was pronounced perfectly. really do if you listen to hoy though this is the kind of energy that we needed from alex parts this kind of rockier thing if she'd released this herself maybe her career would have been a different story but as it is she's at number 13 behind two play featuring ragav and juicy with so confused that Ragav has managed to beat his first single with his second but exactly how high up it will be from So Confused we will find out as we head into the top 10 but first at number 11 another former number one talking about reality TV stars that will only have two singles here is one of them her first got to number one it's now at number 11 in its seventh week so doing pretty well all this time by Michelle now we're into the top 10 still to come new songs from keen busted deepest blue and at 10 he's only managed to get two places above his former song this is ragav with can't get enough strategy for Gav I think here releasing your own song six weeks after a collaboration you made a risky strategy you know if it works and the song does really well you run the risk of pissing off the collaborator who gave you a break in the first place because you basically like take the attention from them or if it doesn't work and you chart lower than it you look like a massive flop so not quite sure why he decided to do it but it's I guess it's just about paid off you know it's two places higher than so confused which is good gets into the top 10 but hardly a ringing endorsement seeing as so confused has been on the chart for six weeks at this point the fact it could only do two places better as a new single kind of a concern and certainly can't get enough doesn't do as well so confused in its sixth week at number 12 whereas by the sixth week of can't get enough being on the charts it will be at number 71 however it seems that two play wasn't that pissed off the pair team up again later in the year with the song it can't be right that gets to number eight but sadly for regav he can only seem to have real success with his collaborators from so confused his only other top 10 will be with Juicy the other singer on So Confused they collaborate on a song called Angel Dies which gets to number 7 which will be his chart peak as a solo artist so not doing amazingly on the UK charts but according to his Wikipedia he became a quote global superstar okay but it notes that most of his fans were from India Africa and parts of Europe so I did think I was like "Mm," saying that oh yeah no I'm actually a huge star but only in India Africa and parts of Europe is kind of the equivalent of being like oh yeah no I have a girlfriend but oh yeah she actually lives in Canada so uh, you know you're probably not going to see her certainly not a global superstar in the UK his album will go to number 36 not a good sign but maybe I have been unfair apparently his 
album sold 1.3 million copies worldwide, certainly not in the UK. By the way, the only source for that is his own website, so take it with a pinch of salt, but his second album did get to number three in the Indian charts, and obviously India, a famously massive country, so, you know, when that country had like a billion people in it selling 1.3 million copies, maybe feasible, but in the UK, Raghav only will have three more top 40s. He will then try to relaunch his career in his native Toronto in Canada, but will do much less well. His peak in the Canadian charts will come in 2011 with his song Fire, which can only get to number 38. But as I said, three more UK top 10s in the UK, so we'll be talking about Raghav again. At number nine, though, we have Deepest Blue with their follow-up to the song Deepest Blue. This is Give It Away. song that I for years was trying to find out who it was by. I think it was only literally when I was doing Deepest Blue for this podcast that I found out that they were the guys who did give it away. I realised there are a lot of these songs that I just didn't know the name of and I really could have googled them. I don't want you to think that I'm a bad googler, it just it just never never thought of doing it. So Deepest Blue's first single getting to number 7, this one getting to number 9. They have quite an elegant fall from grace really. I kind of like it, it's like when every song does slightly worse than the last their first single gets to number 7, second here, number 9. They release late 2004 is it a sin that gets to 24 and then their fourth single shooting star goes to 57 at which point they're done although not quite as smooth as that in Sco- the scottish charts weirdly give it away gets to number five whereas deepest blue got to number nine so this song significantly overperforming in scotland for some reason Ach, give it away that was not a scottish accent but i tried that album will get to number 22 by the way but apparently they sell 70,000 albums certainly more than i've sold by the way, Deepest Blue and a British electronic music duo comprised of Matt Schwartz and Joel Edwards. Joel Edwards will weirdly go on to produce the Melanie C album This Time, which will be her next album following Reason, which we talked about last year. Matt Schwartz will go on to have a pretty substantial career. He was a writer for Ollie Murs. He wrote Time Bomb for Kylie Minogue, which only got to number 31 in one of the rudest things the British public has ever done. He was a writer and producer for the entire Only Human album by Cheryl. And more recently, he has been a writer and producer for Youngblood, whose 2022 album was a number one hit for him. It all begins here with Deepest Blue. They're at number nine, leaving two new entries trying to beat Sam and Mark. Busted with Who's David and Somewhere Any We Know by Keen. So let's count down to those songs. At eight, it's seventh week. Somebody to Love by Boogie Pimps. Doing amazingly well. less well in its second week down from two she believes in me by roaming keating as he is now presumably legally known by deep Pole. and i hold her tight and she Staying firm at six in its 15th week on the chart. I think our longest running song on this week's chart. Hey Ya by Outkast. Five, down from four in its seventh week. Milkshake by Khalees. Oh, I have to charge my milkshake brings all the boys to the 
now only have Keen, Busted and two songs that have both been at number one at some point with a little help from my friends by Sam and Mark and Take Me to the Clouds Above by LMC versus U2. The latter of which is at number four in its fourth week down from three. Take me to the clouds above. Take me to the clouds above. Take me to the clouds above. And at three, we have one of our new entries. I'm getting tired and I need somewhere to begin. I came across a fallen tree. I felt the branches are they looking at me. Is this the place we used to love? Is this the place that I've been dreaming of? That's right, that is somewhere only we know by Keen, which means the battle for number one is between Sam and Mark and Busted. My favourite thing about Somewhere Only We Know by Keen is that, as well as the normal single, it was released in a limited edition of a thousand on a three-inch pocket CD. I love a failed format. My God. You remember those, like, song clips you used to get at McDonald's that would play, like, 30 seconds of a song? Love those. I love that one year where they were releasing songs on USB. Only White Stripes, Kylie and Lady Gaga who did it. But love all of them. I love a three-inch pocket CD. Some CD players couldn't play them because they were too small. You could only have it if you had a CD player with a tray. It was literally a tiny CD. I had one, I think I got with a McDonald's thing that had like a game on it. And I also got a kind of limited edition Bjork Greatest Hits from a charity shop once that was all three inch pocket CDs. It was an absolute dream. But I have not got the one for Keen's Somewhere Only We Know. Keen will go on to have four UK top 10 hits, including another number three with the incredible song Is It Any Wonder? But they will never go any higher. Their other top 10s being Everybody's Changing, which is their next single, and Bed Shaped, which is their third single. Officialcharts.com also, however, informing me that in 2019 they sold the sixth highest amount of cassette tapes with their album Cause and Effect. By the way, the biggest selling cassette of 2019 being Robbie Williams' album The Christmas Present. But who are keen? Well, I'm keen to talk about 2000s pop music. Ah ha ha. No, they are an East Sussex band made up of Tom Chaplin, Tim Rice-Oxley, Richard Hughes and Jesse Quinn. We were previously talking about how pop stars should be more open about the fact they went to posh schools. Certainly Keen, one of those posh school bands. They met at a school called Tombridge, which is a public school founded in 1553. A member of the Eton Group, a boys school. One of those schools that has a website of like famous alumni. If my school had a list of famous alumni, by the way, it would just literally just be Sid from Skins and Bananarama. So no one's bothered to make that, unfortunately. It's a very long list, although there isn't anyone that's particularly jumping out that I want to highlight as, like, incredibly famous. Just a lot of dull white men, which, if we wanted to be rude to Keen, could be a good description for them. Oh, apparently the guy who played George Banks in Mary Poppins went there. There you go. And the guy who played Harry Potter's dad. Starry lineup indeed. Although, can't be too rude about the band. I do like their song Is It Any Wonder and Tim Rice Oxley the keyboardist did write the Gwen Stefani song Early Winter which is one of my favourite songs that isn't technically Christmassy but I play it every Christmas. Apparently the that the somewhere only we know of the title is a place called Mansa Shore, which was the site of the Battle of Hastings. Apparently they wrote the song after returning back to there where they were from, after failing to achieve musical success and the pathway that they knew like the back of their hand was the trail to the local pub 
So that's Keen making their big splash into the charts. They won't release their album until May, but when they do, it will go straight to number one, spending five weeks at number one and spending a total of 68 weeks in the top 40 and 130 in the top 100. So one of the biggest selling albums of the year. Go on to become the second biggest selling album of 2004, selling about 500 less copies than the number one album, Scissor Sisters by Scissor Sisters. Love it when the gays win. Although I think Tim Rice Oxley from Keen is gay as well, but not in a fun way. You know, talking of in a fun way, let's continue the fun to find out what is at number one. Is it busted or is it Sam and Mark? Well, this is the song that is at number two. Love is the way. Does it worry you to be alone? How do I feel by the end of the day? Are you sad because you're on your own? That's right, Sam and Mark down to number two, which means Busted have their third number one with Who's David, selling 30,072 copies. So the worst selling number one so far of the year, although it will be beaten in October, although when it is beaten, it will be by a song that holds the record for being the lowest selling number one single of all time. That wasn't humiliating enough. VH1 viewers once called Who's David by Busted the 20th worst number one singles of all time just beaten in that chart by another UK number one from 2004, DJ Casper's Cha Cha Slide. Actually, 2004 doing very well in this list. I feel it may be that this list was compiled in 2004 and there was some recency bias because also featuring in this top 20 are both Frankie and Eamon's Fuck It, I Don't Want You Back and Fuck You Right Back, respectively. Also, Peter Andre's Mysterious Girl, which gets to number one. In fact, is the next number one after Who's David? So the 2004 charts absolutely bodied by this list. As I said, probably recency bias. By the way, VH1 listeners voted Cliff Richards Millennium Prayer as the worst number one there ever was and that list particularly rude to both Will Young and Gareth Gates who both appear twice on it their duet The Long and Winding Road is on there and then they both end up respectively as in that list with Unchained Melody and Light My Fire I'm going to say Gareth Gates' cover of Unchained Melody is not that bad it's not amazing but it's like a pretty good cover of it it's certainly not as bad as like Itsy Bitsy Teeny Winnie Yellow Polka Dot Bikini which is at number 18 but anyway let's talk about who's David which of course raises the question who is David apparently David is no one in a FAQ on the busted website at the time they said that it was David because it rhymed with invaded also apparently David was a name that was used a lot in busted because it was what they called Matt's mole Another great fact from this FAQ from the Busted site, by the way. Apparently, Matt and James bought a lizard in Spain for Charlie, but he didn't want it and they couldn't take it out of Spain anyway, so they gave it to the president of the Spanish Busted fan club, Verona. So, if you're listening, Verona, tell us how that busted lizard was. Hopefully, he wasn't a busted lizard, like, broken in some way. He's just the lizard that busted. Yeah, you know. For some reason, by the way, the B-side on this single is a cover of Where Is The Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Of course, the biggest selling song of 2003, but certainly not a good fit for Busted. That was on UK CD2, and on UK CD1, they had their cover of Teenage Kicks, which of course they performed at the Brits, which probably may have helped them beat Sam and Mark in their second week to this number one. What else to mention about this song? It was co-written by Tom Fletcher of McFly, who also was the co-writer of Crash the Wedding. So McFly already shaping the Busted sound. They will release their own song very soon, and it will remain to be seen whether they're able to match 
their the, what's he like because you're a protege but what is the person who mentors you is it just a mentor or is it like a protege and a protege no i don't know anyway side tangent yes mcfly are coming up very soon although they already are making an impact on the charts who's david a song basically criticizing a woman for being unfaithful the lyric that has caused people the most consternation is you stupid lying bitch who's david which is unfortunate because that lyric contains the name of the song a lot of people have called this song out for misogyny in a way that it's not entirely clear that the band gets they had a very weird interaction with the guardian about the misogyny of this song so they were asked about it and james Bourne, who wrote it alongside Tom from McFly was like what do you mean misogynistic overtones to which Willis says you can't say stupid lying bitch anymore James replies really Charlie says as you say society has changed hugely much more PC obviously trying to like redirect the conversation rather than having his bandmate being like why can't I call people a stupid bitch anymore Matt clarifies basically it's not cool to call women bitches anymore and Charlie replies I'm not sure it ever was and then Matt (laughs) continues that was kind of the point and then James totally not getting it it's like but what if they lie it's like oh James stop and then Matt clarifies things for James like even if they've been a bitch to you James still not getting why people may have one with him calling someone a stupid lying bitch it's like but even if she cheats on you is she not a bitch and then Simpson Charlie clearly at this point being like god this is why I left these guys oh, by the way yeah this interview is after they reformed he's like oh I've remembered why I left them the first time saying it's derogatory terminology anyway we would never write li- lyrics like that again trying to get things on course we're different people to the people we were then and we were little kids back then he's like look I've I left busted my band fight star flopped I'm desperately trying to make some money here I don't need the these two clowns to fuck it up for me so there we go hopefully james had learned his lessons from his misogynistic ways from that interview but certainly that misogyny not affecting the british record buying public very happy to buy it here even if it is a very low selling number one and the lowest selling of the busted number one so far you said no sold 41,000 copies and crashed the wedding 55,000 because it's their best song in my opinion busted so flying high at this point with their third number one but they will only have two singles left mostly of course because charlie leaves the band can't wait to get into that but already at this point they may be starting to feel out of date because mcfly are coming up in april but before then as I've said, Busted never had a number one for more than one week at this point. So it remains to be seen whether they can do it or whether 50 Cent, Jamelia, Lamar, Peter Andre, Placebo, Westlife or, and I can't believe I'm reading this, Bernie Nolan will manage to be at number one next week. Please join us then. Spread the gospel of this podcast to any pop freaks that you know. Follow us on all the social medias. What's our pop prompt for this week? Pre-save the What Will the Neighbours Say? Girls Aloud. Expanded edition and enjoy this week's number one 20 years ago. Who's David? by Busted. Trauma. Overseas, yeah, we try to stop terrorism, but we still got terrorists here living. 